Hey there, listeners. Welcome to the official WNRG podcast. We believe the best knowledge is knowledge that is shared. Throughout our podcast journey, you'll hear advice from thought leaders, gain insight into areas of expertise other than your own, and hear the inspiring stories of others. This production is made possible by the dedication of our core team. I'm Tara DeLucia. I'm Carmen Pantoja Evans. And I'm Brittany Lemaire. We are looking forward to hearing what topics are important to you. Be intentional. Stay curious. And inspire others. You can share your thoughts on our WNRG Buzz page or by tagging us. Hashtag WNRG Podcast Series. So today in the studio, we have Marla Sanders, and she is the Director of Compliance for MarketPoint. And would you like to share a little bit about um, what you do here at Humana? Yeah, thank you, Brittany, for inviting me to be here. So I am, my title is Director of Sales Integrity. I'm in an area of MarketPoint, and if um, uh, folks are not familiar with MarketPoint, MarketPoint is the sales agency of Humana. And what that means in real terms is that every Medicare beneficiary that selects Humana to be their health care coverage goes through a process, a sales process. MarketPoint is the agency that facilitates that distribution of that sales experience. So we have career sales agents, we have contracted sales agents, and we have sales agents that are solely dedicated on the phone, which we call telesales. And then we have a brokerage firm um, within MarketPoint. So those four specific channels is the area that I support. Um, my team is responsible for the compliance activities of MarketPoint, specifically looking at the agent um, behavior and the compliance requirements that support that. I, I love that you've expanded on mm-hmm. on that and kind of broke down MarketPoint. So a lot of times people are like, what is what that? What is MarketPoint? Yeah. And it's kind of met with a little bit of a question. So, yeah. And there is, I mean, a lot of tremendous stuff that we do. Can you share some of, um, about the, you know, tasks and functions specifically that your department handles? Yeah, so um, sales integrity. First, let me talk with MarketPoint. MarketPoint is definitely a family within Humana. Many people might look at MarketPoint as a, a department of Humana, but really it's a separate entity of Humana. Um, From a compliance perspective, we call that a related entity. The government would call it a related entity. We're still a part of the Humana family, but we are definitely um, focused um, as a separate entity of Humana. So what specifically um, is my role there is that first, um, I spoke a little bit about compliance activities. Number one, our government, our biggest contractor, really cares about the sales experience of the Medicare beneficiary. So they have placed compliance requirements, regulations up on all health care plans that we have to abide by. So part of my roles and responsibility of my team is that we have to make sure that we are abiding by those requirements and the experience that an agent has sitting at the kitchen table of every Medicare beneficiary is compliant. So we have a a strong role in that around what type of training do we have to have involved. I'm not responsible for training, but I definitely play a part in that. Um, And we look at what is the ongoing experience and support that we provide, and then what's the auditing and monitoring look like for that experience at the kitchen table. Regardless, I use the example of kitchen table, but I've also talked about there's different methods of our sales experience. 
we have sales telesales over the phone that um, agents are sitting on the phone and creating a relationship virtually through the phone with that Medicare member and trying to navigate them to select the best pro- Humana product um, based upon their needs. And you've mentioned that the kitchen table, and that's also been what um, the sales agents and the sales professionals that I help service, they go and they have a needs analysis, which Mm -hmm. is the really kind of cool part of MarketPoint is our career agents, they're going in the home and creating these wonderful relationships. And there's a phenomenal story of just what these these agents can mean to our Medicare beneficiaries and just establishing that relationship and that MarketPoint has this whole wonderful culture all on its own. What what do you feel is that value proposition for, you know, Market point um, at Humana, like our culture. What makes our culture special? Well, you talk through that a little bit, and everything that you just asked used the term relationship. And I think that is, I've been with the, um, the Market Point team for um, close to four months now, and that is evident in every meeting and every discussion. Market Point has a unique culture that is like no other department that I've been to. And I think the, one of the reasons why is that the relationship with the member is in the middle of every decision that we make. And we see that a lot in Humana on our PowerPoints, and the member is the center of a pie chart. Um, But what is unique about MarketPoint is we are at the kitchen table. Mm -hmm. And so every process, every analytic, everything that we do supports that one experience or that one interaction over the phone with the member. Because to your point, Brittany, is we're trying to find what is the need of our member and what is the best product for their life well-being? And so when you think about how personal health care is and how personal our bold gold is and how personal our, um, our own health is, you become invested in that conversation because you want them to pick the right product because you know if they choose the right product based upon their clinical needs, their uh, pharmacy needs, that number one, Humana will be successful because we'll be able to retain that member. But number two, their family is going to have a better experience about um, their end-of-life planning and what their overall experience with just life is. So um, that's what kind of motivated me to come to MarketPoint. Um, I love compliance work. It's complex. Um, it can be difficult sometimes. Um, but the, what I love the most is that I get to represent Humana to a regulator. Um, but what attracted me to MarketPoint is it gives me the ability to be closer to the member. So I'll give you an example on that. Um, in my first four months, I was able to go and follow an agent. And we sat down at a community center, and we began to just I'm going to say love on our Medicare members. Mm -hmm. There were members there in this community center center that were not Humana members, but they were of the same age and just as sweet and still need the same type of health care benefits. They may not be a Humana member now, but one day I believe they will. We sat and we took rocks and we painted rocks. Kindness Kindness rocks. rocks. Yes. And we were there with men and women of all ages who were invested in painting rocks. And within those conversations, we didn't talk about products. We didn't talk about what Humana could do for you. We talked, we built the relationship. Mm -hmm. And that experience began to affirm that I have found 
my career home because I had such an attachment there that that agent experience with those members were exactly what you hear Bruce Broussard speak about, what Brian Kane speaks about in the investors, but I got to live it. And so it was an affirmation that I found my, the right place for me. It makes it real. It does. Yeah. There's it your does. value base. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's not It's not just health care. It's a, the total life well-being yes. that we're establishing through, you know, our community-based events that our agents are at and they're involved with. And they do the educational part with the programs in a box. And that's not about selling. That's just about creating these wonderful relationships and truly just sharing with others the knowledge and just just being a point of contact if they have questions, even if it's not about Humana. It was interesting as we, everyone chose their rock that they, uh, you know, they were selecting. I just observed how reliant they were, even on the agent, of what graphic they were going to choose mm-hmm. to try to paint on the rock. And the agent would come over and just say, okay, I would choose this. And the reason why is when you look at it, you can even become more relaxed. And yes, there was a tone of you know, well-being there, but it was even in that, and that, and when we left, um, hugs were abound. Mm. So it was really real. Making a forever friend. Yeah, absolutely. And will Humana benefit from that one day? I believe so. Mm. I believe so. Because we put the people, our members, at, at the Y, and yes. a part of our bold goal and all the work that we do community work and then also just making the lives of the communities we serve better. That's right. Not even if, even if they are not the Medicare age beneficiaries that's or, right. and whatnot. So that's, that's right. just corporate social responsibility to me. And I, I love being a part of a company yeah. that, you know. I asked the question to one of the young, um, I'm going to say, um, um, ladies that was sitting next to me. And she was, um, you know, very intently painting her rock. And I said, hey, does any other health plan do, do this? No, they don't. Now, they come out and talk to us about the products, um, and but there's nobody like my Humana agent that does this. Mm-hmm. So as simple as painting rocks mm-hmm. may f- find, it has been an advocate for building relationships and then in turn impacting the lives of our members and then even, um, I would say, even getting prospective mm-hmm. members in the future. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And did you say you were new? to Market Point? I am. So um, I joined Market Point right in April of this year. Um, prior to that, I have um, worked my, um, I've been here nearly 30 years. It'll be 30 mm-hmm. years in November. And my first 10 years, I really um, came in to the um, service operations area and worked in claims and customer service, billing enrollment, all of those very front-end operational areas. And I navigated over outside of that through a conversation that I had. It was similar to something that we're doing right here. Years ago, we had a human business television, and I interacted, and it's the value of creating relationships in Humana. I interacted with, at that time, a senior vice president who happened to be a guest with me on the Humana business television program, and we made a connection. That connection led to a lunch. That lunch led to two months later, there was an opening within that person, um, within her organization. So I navigated outside of the operational area and I moved over because there was a position at that time 
we called it demand management. And the, the preface behind that is that we wanted to be available to the member upon their demand. So that was the genesis of the need for this position. But what it resulted in is in Humana First. As we know it today, we have a, a nurse guidance program. And so that was the beginning of that initiation of that idea of having a Humana First program. So I actually put, I accepted the position. I impl implemented the first Humana First program to all of our markets. At that time, we had 6.1 million members. I remember that being on my spreadsheet, mm -hmm. and I had to make sure that every market was implemented. And um, that's when I navigated over. After that, um, Humana had entered in an agreement with the Office of Inspector General, and it was a five-year enforcement agreement. And we had some compliance activities that we had to um we had to prove that we had accomplished in a short amount of time, and um, I moved over into compliance, and that's where I found my passion of my work with compliance. Um, it That enforcement was around securing the Medicare product that we sell today, and so we had some tight time frames of 150 days, and so with that, it was fast and furious, but exciting and fun and building things that um, we've never um, had built before, and some infrastructure that we really probably needed to, but we um, we definitely um, had a tight time frame, and I was looking forward to the opportunity. Um, that's when I began to represent Humana to an external regulator and thought, hmm, I kind of like this. And so that then drove my career choice in really staying close to the discipline of compliance. And so I navigated through the compliance world and really took on different responsibilities, creating our ethics program, ethics uh, training. If you knew this, that was the first training that we implemented as a company um, to a, a web-based product for all training. So again, I've been here 30 years, so I have navigated through the technology <laughs> and before email, but that was our first training that we did electronically. And so it was trailblazing, girls. Right. <laughs> it was, um, we didn't have, we didn't have laptops as we do now. <clears throat> Everyone did not have a desktop. So it was around creating um, capabilities in an area that technology wasn't ready for yet. Wow. Yeah, that's. Well, just, when you think about oh. 30 years ago, that just, it wasn't <clears throat> like that anywhere. Right. Just was not. <clears throat> um, we didn't have the capability or the accessibility right. to, to have that. But, oh, so you think about before technology, ethics training, we, we presented um, instructor-led, every associate, and then you had to manually sign a form that said right. that I did that. Yeah. And yeah. so um, those are the type of compliance activities, the complexity, and then the growth just about technology and how... Um, just exciting it has been to watch Humana recreate itself, both in our entity purpose as well as our overall just processes. So when you came to Humana, when you started Humana, mm -hmm. did you start in a leadership role, or I, have you worked your way to I where? absolutely have worked my mm -hmm. way up. So let me give you my story. I was mm -hmm. going to college, a local college here. Humana had a table um, there, and as I was walking to my class, it said, we will help you pay for your college. So I walked up to that table. I was 18 years old. 
And in my mind, I thought, um, this is a part-time job, and I'm going to try it. So I walked up. I spoke to an individual who is still here today in Human Resources. And every time I see him, I hug him and thank him. Because um, I walked up and I said, hey, I'm interested. Tell me a little bit about that. That progressed to an offer. The offer was full-time, so I had to make the choice whether I was going to go change my classes from, uh, you know, night classes. And so I made that personal choice. I thought that I would be here two or three years. I came in as a claims adjuster in our service operations. There were other college students there with me and, and very diverse. There was... Um, all different ages, um, but we sat in a class for six weeks and we learned how to process claims. So today of processing claims, for anyone who's listening, it's so different than it was 30 years ago. Um, our, we had peaks and valleys, but a, a claim came in in a shoebox, typically, to where a, a member would collect all, it was sort of like a tax season, The member would collect all of their receipts. They would wait until they were ready to submit it to their insurance company, and then it would come in, and you would have multiple receipts, multiple bills, and you would map it. So very different than the electronic world that we live in and the more real-time processing that we're all driving to. Um, But... Um, I'm thankful for that because it really gave me the groundwork and the understanding of who the customer was, what role that we played, and really understanding um, the movement within Humana that we proactively thought ahead of what the consumer's needs were, Mm -hmm. and we adapted the capability to match that. So that's my story. I never thought I'd be here for 30 years. (laughs) So um, uh, that's an inspiring story for folks that uh, see that, well, depending on if they're leaving college or or graduating from college where they can start and they can they can have longevity and stay in a company and and work the ranks, we'll call it to where they and what you've learned from the beginning. To where you are now. So think about that. That was 1988. And when I came, I remember wearing, um, from a women's perspective, I had a Navy suit on, Mm -hmm. Navy hose on, and Navy heels on. Mm -hmm. And so whenever I came to the interview, so did every other woman. And so I remember coming home that night and saying, Mom, if I get this job, I got to get some suits. And I remember my mom, get. we went out and bought like seven suits, and we interwove that between, as we all do, tried to maximize our clothing mm-hmm. choices. But it was an extreme, conservative, well-dressed role as a claims adjuster. And that, too, has, motiva- has moved within, sure. you know, 30 years later. So um, it's just in every aspect of Humana, the culture has changed, our dress has changed, our process has changed, but continuing even then in my first six weeks at Humana, the member was talked about in every facet of our training. And I do believe that has been the core of Humana's success. Took so many questions, but that was one of them. Is how, you know, you couldn't have answered it, but has that always been our culture to put the member first? No doubt. No doubt. Um, I remember even having pictures of members in that six-week class. Like, what does a member look like? Mm-hmm. Um, I remember having um, an anticipated, you know, 
role playing like here's the member mm-hmm. so after my claims adjuster I went into customer service which probably was my most fun because mm-hmm. it's similar to what we're doing here we're just talking amongst mm-hmm. ourselves and how you would um, really navigate that call to try to pinpoint their real need and how you present to them the solution mm-hmm. so our core business has always been about care and the consumer and that has not shifted what has shifted is the world around us, the complexity around us, and our capability to be ready for those things ahead of what we do today. Well, and that's part of my question, too, is, you know, can you share in your experience why it's been so necessary to continue to shift, disrupt, change our focus from, you know, nursing homes and hospitals to this um, this world of healthcare services and... and well, I can speak from Humana's perspective, but I can always, and I, but I also speak from myself's perspective. And so, from a Humana perspective, I think our ex, the expectations of ourselves. Just think about it, us as consumers. We expect something different mm-hmm. than we did in the original, um, in the original foundation of Humana in the 1960s. Our con- our expectations are different. So Humana, as well as any industry, has to be disruptive because we, as a consumer, has been disruptive. Right now, talking on a podcast 30 years ago, we would not have had that technology. Yeah. So how do we get ahead of what we think is the future, and how do we prepare our infrastructure for that? So f- disruptive, I think, is not only... Um, critical, but I think it's necessary for us to continue our success. As a person, disruptive is, I think, a personal choice. I think I have had many good leaders, both male and females, and I've learned from both. Um, At the same time, I've had leaders that have not has been as, uh, as, as best as I would have hoped, and I've learned from both. Mm-hmm. So I think you have to decide what type of leader you're going to be. So I remember just tracking um, things that I wanted to replicate and things that I didn't for those great leaders um, within Humana. So you have to think, my story is different because I navigated through Humana for 30 years. I didn't leave Humana because of a leader. I was committed to a great company. I may mm-hmm. have left a leader but I never left Humana because I right. believed in their purpose. And so I learned from that leader, and I thought, okay, I'm going to replicate that, and I'm not going to replicate that. And that becomes really your own DNA of the leader that you want to be. I challenge myself that if I'm operating as from the position of authority, then I'm not, I'm not operating in the right leadership. I'm, I'm minimizing my impact. So I'll give you a personal example from MarketPoint perspective. I have been um, fortunate to step in the shoes of a um, well-known leader within MarketPoint who had a strong legacy and has been in the role for 30 years. I have the personal choice that I could probably step in that and continue to do every great thing that she did, or I can take on, through a different vision, what I want my team to do and I think that's a personal choice that I have to make so um, I want to always drive improvement I am a business my degrees in business administration computer science which isn't really not even a computer science is not even a degree anymore but my what drives me is process process engineering 
So how do I take what my team does today and replicate it? And how do I leave a legacy so that whenever I leave this team, that someone that comes in, the leader that comes in, is able to sustain it and then put his or her own vision on it? So I think what we have to do as leaders is decide if you're going to be a change agent and you're going to create a vision and a strategy and a team and you're going to mentor great leaders to behind you or you or you not. And I think that's a personal choice that we all have to, um, to have to live with and challenge ourselves to. That's awesome. We were just talking about that on the way here about you know, sharing best practices and how if success, like what does success look like? Okay, well, how did they get there? And then can we replicate the process? Mm-hmm. You know, stop reinventing the wheel. If the wheel's working, just make the wheel better. Yeah. Um, you know, smooth out those edges or make things work. And you've been so focused throughout your career and, and made continuous improvements. Do you have any advice for others about finding their niche and, you know, continuing that drive? I think what you have to, um, you have to find your passion. Compliance is my passion, but leadership sits on top of that. And so you probably hear that through my voice. I absolutely love to invest in people. And that is who I am, and regardless of who I work for, that is not going to change. So I either have to align myself to a leader that appreciates that or not. Jim Van Valen is an advocate for that. So whenever I knew that, I, when, I, when you know your passion, you know it because you can work day and night and not get tired. And, you can, and it can be in your dreams it can be in your thoughts when you're not being intentional about things that you can improve on. And those that's when you know it's your passion. If you are forcing yourself to pull up a spreadsheet or to create, then you have to ask yourself, is this what I am passionate about? And so um, that's what it is. It's leadership. I love when I have invested in someone and they are promoted within Humana. So I'll give you a story. When I left MarketPoint, I had four direct reports. Three of those um, I really invested in um, strongly um, because they were ready for the next move. And so whenever I look back at the legacy that I left, because I was in that role for many years, is that did I leave my team of 100 compliance professionals in the right framework? In the absence of me, would my team continue to work as high and as efficient as it has? And would there be a natural leader that would stand up? All three of those folks applied. And all three of those folks are ready. Two of them, one was promoted, and the other one decided to be promoted outside the team. So I think that is when you know that you have left a team better than you received it. And you know that Humana is not going to be impacted by your departure of that team is really what we're here about. And by you saying you invest in people, you've left a footprint. Hey there, listeners. It's your WNRG co-host, Brittany LaMare here. I want to say thank you for your continued listenership. Make sure to share our podcast with your friends. You can always subscribe through our mobile option by texting WNRG to 239-355. 
I also want to say thank you so much to Marla Sanders for sharing some time with us. Make sure to catch part two of her interview next week. And we also want to say a big thank you to our podcast producer, Melissa Nichols, and Teresa Butler for their work on our podcast so far. Thanks, everybody. Have a great week, and we'll catch you next time. And that's it for this episode. You can share your thoughts on our WNRG Buzz page or by tagging us, hashtag WNRG Podcast Series. Until next time, be intentional, stay curious, and inspire others.